Hey guys, this is Rob and welcome to question number 46. What is urban foraging? Holy crap, let's start this whole conversation off with a massive failed question scenario. You meet somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, nice to meet you. You interview someone for a podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you go through the whole pod- podcasting conversation. It's great. Uh, what an amazing conversation I had. I'm, I, I'm like literally so pumped to share this entire conversation with listeners. Uh, and then I sit down to edit it and I realized out of meeting him and interviewing him, I never <laughs> asked how do you pronounce your last name? Oh, gosh. I'm actually embarrassed of that. I thought you were going to say you never asked his name, so. No. So this is a step up. No, it is my conversation with Jeff Zietler. Or Zeitler. Or Zeitler. Holy crap. Jeff, if you're listening, I'm so sorry. I'm going to say Zeitler. I think Zeitler. Feels right. Try not put any of this in there. It's funny, but is it amateur? It might be amateur. Also, you just burped. What? Didn't you? No, I didn't burp. I went, uh... Oh. So it's like, well, clearly you're going to trash it now. <laughs> clearly, this is just an amateur podcast conversation. You got to be you, Rob. You didn't ask him. Leave it in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Where do you live? In the city. Do you have a house? Apartment. On a rent? Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. <laughs> of Urban Forge Winery and Cider House, South Minneapolis. Fascinating. And it's all thanks to me, by the way. I've all- wanted to go there forever. Yes. And we finally checked it out. Yes. I'm going to tell the story here in a minute. Okay. But don't For- make it long-winded. What? Don't make your story long-winded. I'm not going to make my story long-winded. Okay. I do have a problem with that sometimes of outlining everything we talked about in the podcast. Yeah. that's right You wonder before. why I get bored sitting here. <laughs> Okay, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, my name is Rob Morgan, and for the past 10 years, I've been traveling the world as a bassist and music director. This is my podcast where I sit down over drinks on location with intriguing people I've met to try and get past what it is they do, to find out who they are, why they do it, and what I can learn from them. I'm joined, as always, by my wife, my friend, my... Fine glass of scotch. (laughs) Okay. I'm joined, as always, by my wife, my friend, my fine glass of scotch, Sarah Morgan. Sarah, thanks for joining me today on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You know what, Robert? You're welcome. I just figured because that intro was so amateur of not remembering to ask Jeff how I pronounce his name. I'm just... The rest of this podcast is going to be overly professional. Sarah, thank you for joining me here at the dining room table, South Minneapolis. I'm glad to be here, Robert. <laughs> okay. I'm Sarah, I, I hate to interrupt you, but <laughs> I'm so glad that we don't have to deal with sponsors on this podcast. Because if we did, I would have to tell you that Guinness, who is the greatest beer known to mankind, feel free to crack yours open. Up, 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 up. <laughs> okay, now you're just making fun of me. That's what you wanted. That's what you hired me to be here for. That's what I'm paying you the big bucks for. You've just given me a beer that was a dollar and eighty-eight cents that I purchased. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, phew. 
All day long, I've been thinking how I needed a glass of mother's milk. Oh, man. Thanks. Thank goodness. We don't have to deal with sponsors <laughs> on this podcast. I feel like this episode is, this conversation is so awesome. I just want to dive in straight to this conversation. I mean, but it doesn't mean I get to talk to you much. That's fine. We still live together. Okay. <laughs> You'll still have me later. It just won't be recorded. Maybe you can help me tell the story of how this interview came about. I don't like being a helper. Um, okay. I'll either tell the story or I won't participate. I'm oh, just kidding. No, I know you're kidding. I'm not but, mean that, like but that, that. I know, but that's that's actually fun. Sarah, take it away. How did this interview oh, come about? Gosh. Okay. Well, there is this shop on Lake Street that we have driven by for years, and I think I thought it was a like a wine and cider like supply store. You know, like where you would go get your beer supplies. But anyway. Lake Street is just maybe a mile or two away from our home. Yeah, it's close. One day I realized that it's actually essentially like a tap room except for cider and um, wine and mead. Uh, So I followed them on Facebook, found out they were having a Harry Potter event, which hasn't happened yet. And I was like, oh man, this is my place. I need to go. I'm going to mark that down. I'll put the Harry Potter event in the show notes. Mm, Yeah. So I just started following them on Facebook and kind of had been wanting to check it out for a while now. So Rob and I were in the area and I suggested popping in and it was a perfect night because it was storming like crazy. Yeah. We were already out and about before the storm like fully hit. So we were essentially stuck there, but in the best way. So anyway, we walk in uh, to the establishment. It's a beautiful, uh, you know, wooden kind of cozy, small tap room and no one is there. Like literally not even the bartender. So Rob goes to the bathroom and I just sort of hovering and then the guy comes out yeah jeff jeff um and we end up sitting down and chatting with him quite a bit because no one was there and it was awesome he's awesome everything we had was amazing super unique for the twin cities like making really traditional ciders that no one is doing and i don't know maybe maybe it was either a mix of that the fact that there was a storm or maybe they just opened uh, but we must have been just the first ones there. Oh, yeah. No one was out. It was such bad weather. But so. the second, I mean, not the second, but a few minutes after we sat down and we were there by ourselves, people start trickling in, braving the storm and coming. I mean, like rain was going coming down sideways. It was crazy. It was knocking down trees in the Twin Cities. And they were having trivia, mm-hmm. I think is what it was. I think they were doing like a friend's trivia. Yeah. F- that, finish your story. I don't know. Well, that's how it started. Okay. With this podcast, my goal, if I could do anything with this podcast, I want this podcast to be about tapping into your own sense of curiosity about the world and the people around you that you meet. So we sat down with them and we had this conversation and instantly I had a feeling that there was more to the story about how this uh, winery came about. We talk about cider making, we talk about wine making, we talk about home brewing, but what happened was a conversation that went far deeper and left me thinking about things and thinking about creating things in a completely different way. So here it is, my conversation with Jeff at Urban Forage Winery and Cider House. Okay, that was actually going to be my first question of because it's the cidery and winery or winery winery and cidery, winery and cider house. house, Okay, uh, and I was wondering what came first, like the chicken, like the winery or the cider. So was it wine? Cider is wine. That's the thing. Cider is wine, and people usually think of cider as a different thing, but it's it's apple wine. Um, We usually, you know, 
here in the United States, we drink it like beer. In a lot of places, they drink it like beer. It's 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 yellow. It's carbonated. You know, it usually comes in a can or a you know mm-hmm. a, a beer bottle. But it's wine. It's it's apple wine. It's a fruit. It's fruit juice that's been fermented. Yeah. Just like grape juice that's been fermented. It's simply apple juice that's been fermented. It's a very different process from beer. There's no malting. There's no. Oh yeah. It's, yeah, you know, so. Beer beer is malted grain. It's grain that's been sprouted, cooked, and then washed, and yeah. the, the sugars have been taken out of the grain. Very different from pressing fruit, pressing grapes, pressing apples. Hmm. Uh, here, you know, we also make plum wines and rhubarb wines. So you're you're pressing fruit, extracting the juice, and then fermenting that instead of sprouting grains and washing the grains to take out the sugars, uh, or soaking the grains, yeah. I guess, to take out the sugars. Um, so it's 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 very different. So now, okay. So what came first, cider or wines? Yeah. For me, cider actually did. Really, I made cider. Yeah, because it was, I was in college and I walked down to the corner store, literally uh, at the U of M, and was able to get a gallon of apple juice, and yes. I put yeast in this gallon of apple juice and let it ferment. And I got some kind of really bad cider. <laughs> really bad yes. cider. Oh, man. That was but, before like Northern Brewer came yes, out where you had someone that's just like, all right, you pay me 100 bucks and we'll get you all set up with exactly. the mini professional gear. That's exactly it. Did you put this the yeast? So, okay, when you say yeast, are you talking about like the bread yeast? I used that you bread get? yeast. Yeah. Because I didn't, I didn't know where to. I yeah. Didn't know. You yeah. Know, didn't know the difference. Uh, so it makes bad. The bread yeast does not work well. But it, it does ferment stuff. Yeah. But it tastes terrible. Man, did you uh, then? Did you, so did you ferment it just in the jug yep. that it came in? Fermented in the jug it came in. Yeah. Put a cork on the top, and then used a, just a, a length of plastic hose to make a it's kind of a homemade uh, blow off uh, yeah. valve for like the CO two. For, for the CO two, exactly. Yeah. Man, that is hilarious. <laughs> and then were you instantly hooked? Yeah, like, you, you made was. that I, and just it was it was fun. I mean, yeah. I. Yeah, I made a lot of mistakes right away. I added sugar to an act of fermentation in the middle of my dorm room. So this is my, yeah. I was in college. I was, yeah. I was living in the dorms. And I put the jug down on the floor. It's like, well, <laughs> if I add sugar, we'll get more alcohol. So I took a cup of sugar and dumped it in. Yeah. And the whole thing like exploded like a volcano. Yeah. Like flowed over the top. A third of the this, this stuff ended up on the floor. So I had to explain to my roommates why our, our floor yes. suddenly smelled like, you know, yeah. alcoholic cider. Yeah. Man, I only laugh because I've had that happen only with making oh, really? beer at home <laughs> and just uh, just going down to the basement and all, all my, uh, there were glass half-gallon jugs. Yep. I'm going down there and they're just completely bubbling over. Yep. I had no idea what I was doing. Yep. That's funny. Okay, well, so but you're, here's, you're in college though. Yep. Not prison. So no, where exactly. did, were, you, were, you, were your friends, like, uh, where were, where'd you get like the idea to do that? Well... I'm just thinking about, for me, I'm going through my idea, and I'm like, when I started doing beer, I, it was already, there's a, there's a community out yes, there doing yep. it. Was that, did that exist for you? There or? was no community. I mean, there was no Northern Brewer. There was a place, oh. there's one place in North Minneapolis that's mostly a, uh, a catalog. Uh, they, they would, they, you know, they'd send out paper catalogs so you could order supplies. Yeah. And so it was just a dusty little storefront. Uh, but you could go there. And so... For my second batch, I rode my bike up to Semplex in North Minneapolis. Okay. It was nothing like you know the places now, and this, so I was able to get wine yeast. That was the main yeah. thing. I got wine yeast, and I got a, a five-gallon carboy. So I actually had real equipment. Um, but as far as I knew, there was no community. The thing I did have was a book that was written in the 1960s that my dad had purchased when he was young. Really? And I knew my dad had made yeah. when he was younger. He had made wine. Yeah. Um, so I used that. I just read read through that. It was kind of very you know. It gave you like the basics. Just the basics. Kind of, you know, it was a 
written by a couple of English guys. It's pretty stuffy, but it's you know it, it the basics are you know yeast converts sugar into alcohol. Yeah, and so have have some. Find some fruit juice, add yeast, add the right yeah. yeast, and you'll get alcohol. And keep keep the oxygen out. Those, mm-hmm. those are the basics. And that's it. Then that's it. And so once I knew that, I was like, oh, this is easy. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make wine from, like, yeah, I, I started finding mulberries. Um, yeah, I'd pick mulberries and make Really? Wine. Oh, yeah. They're, they're everywhere. And you would just mash them yourself? Yeah, I'd mash them up myself. I'd cook them down. Uh, this is after I was out of the dorms. So yeah. I'd say, you know, in a different place to live, but... Cook mulberries, strain them off, and make mulberry wine. Uh, I made wine out of all sorts of things. I'd go to the grocery store and see what's what's on sale, what's in season. Yeah. Like peaches. Made a peach wine. Oh man. Made a kiwi wine. Yeah. Um, all sorts of things. I've made a carrot wine, uh, dandelion wine. Uh, yeah, you have a dandelion wine. Yeah, we here. actually sell dandelion wine. What is what's dandelion wine? Like um, it's not made from dandelions. It is. is it? It's made what? from dandelions. Yeah, it's made from the flowers. And like, are you adding grapes to it, or is nope. it just the sugar is from the, the dandelion? Sugar, the like, sugar is added. The sugar is additional. Okay. It's just table sugar. So what? yes, table sugar. So you take the flowers. That's fascinating. Take the flowers and yeah. you make a tea, basically a tea out of just dandelion flowers. Cook it down, strain off the flowers, then add sugar to your dandelion tea, and add wine yeast to that, and it ferments. What? Yeah, a little bit of nutrient, a little bit of yeast nutrient yeah. helps too. So. Oh man, that is. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, so even that, the dandelion, are you, had you heard someone had made it before, or was that something like, oh, I'll, I, if you can steep yeah, tea leaves. Yeah, you know, I, I, I had. Um, I, dandelion wine is one of those That's things of kind of like Midwestern urban legend, or maybe okay. more of a rural, rural legend. Yeah, yeah. Um, people making dandelion wine out on farms and whatnot, and so yeah. I knew it was possible. I saw, I saw a recipe, it was in that same book, um, where they recommend using, you know, things like uh, raisins, you know, adding raisins yeah. to the must. But I just, I just went out and picked some dandelions, and I, I used a little bit of grape juice in my first couple of batches, yeah, just to make sure it would ferment. Yeah, that there was um, enough sugar in there. Exactly. Okay. And, and and you know, dandelion wine's delicious. It's actually really good. It's like nothing else. Man, that is so cool to me. The fact, and like you're talking about just normal. Dandelions, you normal can find dandelions. Nor- you can find. I mean, they're well. You know, like oh, dandelions yeah. are everywhere. Yeah, they're in the spring. everywhere. Well, you can't. You can't yeah. walk anywhere and not see them. And oh, I, when I put out the call saying I was picking dandelions, I had had over a hundred people <laughs> yeah. contact me saying, "Yeah, please come pick my dandelions." Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Like, so if you've got dandelions, I'm gonna pick them. And then you just spent like a weekend going to yeah. how much? Like how much? The first time you made it, how much do, um, dandelions did you pick? The first time I made dandelion wine. I mean, that's, that was a long time ago. I can't remember. But you're Usually, talking right now when you said the call out, like I need yeah, dandelions. Well, how much do you out, need to get? That we put out. Okay, we made ten gallons of dandelion wine, and for that we picked five pounds, I think, of dandelion petals. Holy crap! So you know, five pounds doesn't sound like a lot, <laughs> but, but it's a, it's actually like quite a bit. I mean, five you, pounds of feathers. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's like it's it, you know they, they do pack down and they kind of. But but they're light. I mean, you can oh all, and you gosh. can only use you can only use the yellow of the dandelion. So you have to pick it, and then you pick out the yellow. Everything else you have to throw away. If it's no if it's green, way. if you, it's green, you can't use it because it's too what? bitter. Yep. And so, so you, did you do that by hand? Yep. So you sat with five pounds. Yep. And, and just, just pick, picking. You pick thousands of dandelions. Holy cow. Yep. So I'm I mean, surprised you made the dandelion wine afterwards because well, you're like, I don't want to see another dandelion. No. Uh, you know, <laughs> during the season, you do get pretty sick of dandelions. Yeah. Your thumbnail turns all black. That's what I find. Like, your, your thumb, the end of your thumb and your thumbnail turns completely black. 
kind of like in yellow. Yeah, yeah. Because you've you've picked so many dandelions and you like pulled the fuzz that the, the yeah yellow fluff. that they're connected to. Yeah. But, you know, it goes away and you forget, you know, next spring comes and you think, gosh, I should make dandelion wine again. Like, oh, man, that wasn't as, like all the, all the, like, horror stories that happened last year. Oh, it wasn't as bad as I remember. I can do that again. Well, the great thing is, you know, I I have kids and now, and now we have employees, you know. So, like, I went out with uh, our winemaker and we picked, you know, dandelions at the community garden nearby, which honestly, it's not a bad way to spend a nice spring day. Oh my like, gosh. Yeah, that actually sounds magical. Sitting in the grass, picking flowers. You yeah. Know? It's, it's not too bad. Do you, do you like just pick all the dandelions and then do that? I guess it's no. here or you do it there. You're you taking have to the do yellow it in the field off in the because field. I've done this, I've done this multiple times and it does not work. If you try to like, you try to gather up with the dandelions and then go sit down at home and, and take the fluff out, they close up. The dandelions yeah. are closed and they'll very quickly start to turn brown. Oh really? So when you're, the thing about making dandelion wise, you have to pick them in the field, pick the fluff in the field, um, bring it back and cook it within a couple hours. So these, you don't want the, t- the petals to turn, the petals will start to turn really kind of light and fluffy and sort of will brown as well, so yeah, they'll oxidize. Yeah. Yeah. You know how when a dandelion uh, becomes that puff ball, turns white yeah. and like blows away? Well, the, the dandelion petals will sort of start to convert. It's kind of interesting, like start to convert to like the lighter, fluffier stuff yeah. and also brown up a little bit. So. Yeah. If you leave them a day, they're no good. So really? you have to cook them the same day. Usually within, we try to cook within a couple hours. Really? Yep. So gotta, man, it's almost, it's kind of like a relaxing day in the field and a lot like a mad rush home. Yes. To make it happen. Now, once you get them in hot water, then you can let them steep for, you know, a day. And that's fine. Okay. But but you can't just leave them dry. Yeah. That's what, that's what I've learned. After after many times of making this, yeah. you can't just leave the petals sit around dry. Will it change they, the taste? Or It'll change the color. Okay. It'll get browner, and then I just don't think the the really light, fluffy stuff, like the ones that they get, they, when they start to get fluffy, I don't think they're any good anymore. But that's yeah. just my own personal belief. Man, okay, I'm getting this like view. I'm getting, I'm piecing together this image, even mm-hmm. of like the name of this place, Urban Forage. I now all of a sudden am realizing where this name is coming from. Oh Does yeah. Does that have to do with that? Oh yeah. It's it's. I mean, it's it's a mission statement. It's what we do. I mean, it's we literally we do forage. Really? A lot of what we have here, most of what we serve is, is foraged. Um, so the dandelions, we forage yeah. apples too. I mean, we forage, we go out and pick apples and pears. Yesterday we That's pressed cool. 34 bushels of apples right behind the building here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. And from around the cities. Yep, around just, the like cities. you put a call out, if, if yep. you have apple trees, can we come out? Yep. Man, that's cool. I... Uh, so Sarah, I, I don't. My wife works for Boom Island Brewery. Okay. And right. Kevin and his wife Chusha, they make. I think once a year they've been making this. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember. I think it's a creek beer is what they call it. And oh. then they go out and they pick cherries from some guy's house. So we did that with them last year. And that's, it was. There's something really cool about going out and picking stuff from where you're at, yep. and then bringing back and and then you're nerding out with it to the level of like you're not just throwing it together in a pie which is cool but uh-huh. then you're like you're making almost art out of it like yeah. this this beer months later was like actually I don't know it just I just have this viewpoint of like oh yeah cool you pick a few flowers around here and you make something fun but like the wine is awesome thank you so it's cool it's cool just to think that like oh yeah it's around here and you're taking it really seriously yeah you know man that's cool it- if, you, if you're going to do it, do it well. Man, okay, I, so to f- even frame this whole thing for you, so I, I, started, this, um, I started this podcast 
uh, out of almost a realizing when I was when I was on tour or out with gigs, I found myself just naturally uh, in conversation with people that the doors of, that music opened up doors to meet. So whether I was in a different city, I ended up finding myself having these like really great conversations with people. Uh, like over beers at a random uh, brew pub or something like that. And it was just fascinating. So when stuff slowed down and I thought about, man, what if I put a podcast together? I thought, man, what are the things I love about this? And one of the things were, uh, could it be done on location? So it's cool that we're here at your cider house and winery and you make it downstairs. Yep, sure do. Man, so it's cool that like this is on location here. So that's one of them. And then when I started it, I made this commitment to myself that it wasn't going to be like uh, other podcasts that I listen to, whereas the typical podcasts, they reach out to, uh, they reach out to like either like famous people or they reach out to uh, just, I don't know, just different people and they plan it out and they get mm-hmm. a bunch mm-hmm. of podcast episodes together and they re- they release them super systematically. Yeah. Uh, and there's a bunch of ways to go about it. But my thing was, man, what if I tried to experiment for a couple of years, and this is just a little over a year that I've been doing this. What if I experimented with uh, just keeping my eyes and ears open, right? So like when, I, when I'm out someplace doing a gig or I'm out at a bar, what if I just try to live a lifestyle of being curious about people around me? Mm-hmm. And the two things I'm always looking for are people that are doing something interesting, uh, like wrote a cool book that, or an album that they're promoting or whatever it is, or people that look re- that are interesting in themselves and are taking things uh, kind of to the next level or nerding out about stuff or like looking <laughs> deeper into things. And I remember yeah. Sarah and I show up here uh, during the rainstorm last week. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, that uh, was a big one. Yeah, the massive rainstorm. We yeah. just ducked in because we've been meaning to check this out. And even the small moments chatting with you, I realized, oh, wait a second you're doing both those things. You're doing something cool and you, you seem to be someone that if you're going to do something, you're going to nerd out about it. <laughs> I, I like, which I love. I, I'm, I feel like I'm that way and maybe I'm projecting. Yeah. But is no, that... That's, that's nerding out, I guess is a good way. That's just the way I call it for myself. I'm like, if I'm yeah. going to if I'm gonna uh, start writing better, I'm going to nerd yep. out and find yeah. the best pen and paper yep. to do whatever it is. Yeah, fair uh, enough. Is that like... a like a trait is that would you consider yourself a person that nerds out about stuff deeply or i i guess so well i don't know do i nerd out deeply or is it just this my i guess my question is like is it just this whole like cider making business that if you're gonna do it you're gonna do it right or does that expand into different areas of your life i'll tell you what i found interesting about this and and maybe maybe this is I, i what what i found interesting was that nobody was doing this there's all this stuff. There's all these, all these apples falling off the trees, all these pears. There's dandelions everywhere. And I knew how to do this as a hobby. You know, as mm-hmm. a hobby, it's like, oh, I can, I can pick stuff all day. Like, I, yeah. I, can, I can find, you know, there's an almost unlimited supply of free fruit and flowers just, just out there, like, yes. all over the city. Yeah. And here I was, you know, doing this happily for a hobby and thinking, gosh, there's so much. Why, does nobody, why is nobody doing this? Think of this multiple times. Why is nobody else out here picking this? You know, it's just like it's 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 just there it's, for the taking. Yeah. It seems so obvious. Yes. Like it should you should be able. It's you know you can you can make tons and tons of really good wine yeah. and cider from the stuff that's falling on the ground. Why yes. is anyone doing it? Nobody's and, doing it. Man, and, we've asked. We over by our place in South Minneapolis. There's like tons of little uh, apple like uh, like sour apple trees uh-huh. falling yeah. everywhere. And oh, even yeah. we've asked ourselves like. 
man, it's just no one's even picking this. Yeah. They're all over the cities. So, so yeah, yeah. a big part of it was the challenge of, well, why isn't anyone doing this? I'm yeah. going to try doing this. I'll figure out why. You know, if there is an obvious reason, I'll, I guess I'll figure mm-hmm. it out. But as it turns out, well, no, there is really is no reason why. There's still there's still plenty of fruit out there. I'm using a tiny, tiny fraction of it. Yeah. You know, other people could be doing this too. I probably yeah. shouldn't be saying that. Yeah, I don't want to encourage right. competition. Yeah. But. You know, it's there's a lot of stuff that still goes. It's to not. Waste. It's not such a small amount in the cities that uh, we got it covered now. Yeah, there's enough. Like, if people wanted to do the, this, they could totally do it. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, it's just. I mean, here's the thing. It's a lot of work. It's yeah. a lot of hard work. Yeah, and there's a lot of uncertainty. You know, you don't know from year to year. Will there be a good apple crop? You know. Yeah. Will there be a good pear crop? You know. Will I be able to make this this next yeah. year? I never know from year to year. Yeah. You know, I never know if like maybe you know people will just decide that they want to cut down all the apple trees in all the front yards of Minneapolis and then oh, I'll be out of luck. Yes. Oh um, man. But but I don't think that's going to happen. You know I have. I, yeah. I have faith in my fellow human beings who cut down all the apple trees <laughs> Man, in South Minneapolis. That is, that's funny you say that because I've never thought, I've, I didn't think about that with this place in that if, if someone opened a brewery, you have unlimited access to the grains around the yep. side. There's never going to be a lack yes. of, the, of the tools you need. Yes, exactly. But there is some things like out of your control yeah. a little bit with this. Exactly. Man. Does that make so, you nervous, or is that well, does that fuel you? That you know, or excite you? That it, part of it's okay. It's exciting. It's part of it's the hunt, like okay. the hunt for like finding things. Like it's yes. a, it's a, like a treasure hunt. You yes. find it. You, it. When I drive around, we drive around on Wednesday, and I get emails from people saying, you know, there's an apple tree at such and such an address. Feel free to come pick them. So yeah. we'll drive around and we'll find one. Oh, there's hardly any apples. Let's just move on to the next one. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll come to a yard and there's a little apple tree. We'll, we'll go through the gate, look for the tree, and we'll see it. And it's just loaded. Yes. It's absolutely loaded with these oh. beautiful apples. And, and nobody's going to pick them. So here we are. We just scored you know, bushels yes. of apples. Oh, that's so you know? cool. Yeah. And it's, it is. It's kind of yeah. like you, you, you won the lottery. Man, do you drive? I saw your your guys' van in the back. Uh Do you drive around with like a bushel in the back just in case you come across something? You know, I, gosh, no, not all the time. Although, although I've cut, I tried to like separate now. Now that this is a job, I try to separate work and life. Yes. So that my kids, my kids are who have. My kids have been drafted into foraging with me, and they're like, "No, no, no foraging." They're, they're, yeah. they, they they have had to draw a line, saying, "No, we are not foraging. We're not going out and doing Dad, that." Dad, I'm 20 today. minutes late to school. Exactly. Just drive me straight there. Exactly. So now you know. Now that this is like yes. a going concern, it's like, okay, I do my foraging during the week. Yep. And I do it mostly. It's me, and we actually have paid help. And sometimes, sometimes I go out with my kids still. Yeah. You know, and, but. More, I'm trying to like you know, okay, like give they are kids, give them a break. Yeah, yeah. They they shouldn't be picking apples every weekend. <laughs> totally, man. That is, do they enjoy it? Will they still want to, or are they compl- are they almost on the verge of like the burnout? No, like, they no. they enjoy it now yeah. that now that we've like back you know now that yeah. I've given them a little more you know a chance to say no. Yeah. Now they they have come around. I think they do enjoy it. Yeah. You know, they they're kids. You know, they they want to like do kid things. Yeah, they want to yeah. play video games, and you know. Oh man, I'm. This is fascinating to me. I'm I'm so pumped for talking about this stuff because it's like I'm just like putting these pieces together of even now I, I you like mentioned the forge thing, and now I'm even thinking of the urban side mm-hmm. of this, and like it sounds like everything you're saying almost sounds like 
my I, so I grew up in Nebraska. Uh-huh. Tons of family on farms, and it sounds like the same kind of scenario of your kids growing up on a farm. This is what you do to make a living. Except yep. you guys are in the city. We're in the city, and you're yep. making it happen. Kind yep. of the same. There's like the crossovers. That's yeah. fascinating to me. Well, that's I, cool. Many years ago, I thought, wouldn't it be cool to be a farmer and be able yeah. to live in the city? Yeah. And you know, I feel like sort of. I'm not really a farmer. Yeah. But it it it's sort of a somewhat agricultural lifestyle. Yeah. But we live in the city, you know. Yeah. yeah. We live in in St. Paul, so you know we're not in the suburbs. We're in the city, yeah. and we were able to you know process apples and make cider, and you know here in Minneapolis, you know we we process everything on site on Lake Street. Yes, you know, so we're truly urban foraging slash farming. Man, that is so you. Man, you are you're totally right when you're saying like nobody's doing this. No, no I've no, never heard nobody's of doing this. It. And man, nobody even has. You're saying that there's. Are you the only winery in the cities? We're the only winery in Minneapolis right now. Really? Yep. Why do you think that is? Because there's I, a bajillion breweries. Yes, there's a bazillion breweries. Um, and you'll notice the distribution of wineries in Minnesota. They're all out on farms. And it's because starting in the 80s, the state made it very easy to open a winery on a farm and kind of also made it more difficult to open mm-hmm. a winery in the city in yeah. some ways. So the old law was never taken off the books, but farm wineries became so common and that, how do I say it? I was, I was told uh, by someone at the state that it wasn't even allowed anymore. You couldn't have a winery in the city. But I looked, I read the laws myself. I, I said, no, that, that's not true. Because that's law what everybody there. does. You go that's check what everybody out. Yeah. So if you, if you, <laughs> you pull out the laws. Oh, yeah. I, 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 it's not what I everybody did. does. I yeah, I love that. But... Yeah, I was advised, well, just buy a farm. Yeah. Just buy a farm. Yeah. Like, don't, don't, be, don't be a problem. Just go buy a farm. And you think about that. Buying a farm, that's no small thing. Like, oh, no way. You know, like, invest, yeah. uh, you know, like, okay, sell our house in the city and move to the country and spend all the money plus some on yeah. a farm and change our lifestyles completely, put our kids in different schools. No. Yes. Yeah, that's just not happening. Yeah. This, this is not a small, I mean, buying a farm is a huge <sighs> undertaking. Yes. Um, and... I wasn't about to do that. And my wife wasn't about to go, go along with that. No way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there was an opportunity. Well, there, there were a bunch of opportunities that kind of all happened around the same time that didn't always look like opportunities at the time. One was I was laid off from a job. Yeah. You know, near the end of the Great Recession, when things seemed to be getting better, I got laid off. Because um, you also, were doing, you were a landscape architect? I was a landscape architect. Yeah. Yep. And also, uh, during the Great Recession, uh, we purchased this building. So this was a foreclosed vacant building. This was a hair salon. Oh, and it was, it was, yeah. it was in pretty rough shape. The roof was falling in. I mean, we got a great deal on it, but it, it was going to take a lot yeah. of sweat equity to make yeah. this, you know, anything to, to make it anything like it looks right now. Oh man. Yeah. So. Cause that, I do remember that when we came in, it looks awesome in here and you, you, you did everything. I did all the everything I could legally do. Yeah. I couldn't. I didn't do the you know the the heating and cooling or the plumbing. You know, but all all the things that I could do myself. Yeah. All the carpentry I did. I I had a helper who helped me. So yeah, he yeah. helped me out too. So it wasn't yeah, yeah. just me. But yes, a lot of this we we did it on our own. I man did a lot of this. That's yeah. cool. So then, so you're you got laid off. Yep, got and, laid off. And you bought this. We had pro- this, previously this? we had purchased this. So okay, we, before that. We bought this oh. uh, we, in 2012, actually beginning of 2013. Okay. Uh, Porter savings into it. Um, as an investment, we're yeah. going to rent it out. Um, 
You're going to rent it out to other businesses. And we did. So it wasn't an intention. We rented this, this space we're sitting in, I rented to another business for two and a half years. Okay. And yeah. that's how we paid the mortgage on this for a while. Yeah. Meanwhile, so the basement, so this, this is kind of where the whole thing sort of germinated. The basement of this building has a really high ceiling and it's really not used at all. Mm -hmm. um, and when uh, we were first touring the building, um, you know, thinking, oh, we'll buy this as an investment. My wife said, you know, honey, you could have your winery down here. And there's kind of like I just got permission. I'm like, yeah. oh, you know, I could have a winery. Really good, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of uh, like a cave. Yeah. Um, and now we, we should take a tour later. Oh, man, I'd you. love to check it out. Like, yeah. We've built it out into a production winery, you know, with, oh, with epoxy floors and fiberglass walls and, you know, everything painted white. It's, it's a production winery. Yeah. Uh, you know, back then it was a cinder block. It was an, an ugly old cinder block basement. But, you know, when she said winery, I could see it. I could, see, you know, we t when we were in that basement, I could see kind of how that would look. And, you know, that's where it started. I almost see, like, if I'm, if I'm watching, like, a movie of your life and you are, like, the lead character down there looking at this room, I almost see, like, that scene where, like, it's implementing overlays, like, oh, yes. you're envisioning the exactly. whole thing. Like, this is what it could be. <laughs> it's kind of what it felt like. It's, it's like kind of what it felt like. Yeah. It's kind of what it felt like. And, yeah. then, and so almost exactly a year later after that, uh, I was laid off from my job. Um, and so... I, so when you built the brewery down there, it was purely just for... It wasn't like a business thing. It was a, hey, this is your hobby. You should no. do your hobby well, down there. Well, see, that, the, the, it, sat, it sat empty for a year. Okay. So it sat empty for a year, and I was busy up here yeah. renovating this. Yeah. Just a little bit. Just yeah. renovated up here enough to get it to, you know, rentable yeah. shape. So, you know, so, this, so, so I had a furnace, and the roof wasn't falling in, that yes. sort of thing. And yeah. the wall, walls were painted. And replacing ceiling tiles, yeah. that sort of thing. So, so I worked on that up here. Um, we rented this building upstairs, and so that that was great because I was paying for the paying the mortgage, yeah. paying the bills. Uh, so that was good. Uh, and then and then I lost my job, and so instead of you know just kind of feeling mopey and doing nothing and maybe look for the same job, which I did that too. I found another job similar to my old job shortly thereafter. But while I was at home getting unemployment, I said, I am going to write a business plan. Yeah. Uh, so I did. I wrote a business plan for a winery. Instead of just saying, I'd like to have a winery, I said, I'm going to write a business plan for a winery and find out what I actually need to do to, to make it happen. Yeah. Because um, so I, I know, I know I can, you can make the wine yeah, side of it happen. Exactly. Your path. I knew, I knew how to yeah. make wine. Yeah. And I knew we had a building that might be okay for a winery, but I had to find out like, oh, what are the legal issues? You know, what do, what do I have to do to get a winery license? I had no idea. You know, how do we raise enough money to do this? That was yes. the other thing. Yeah. Um, I looked into how do you run a Kickstarter campaign and found out, well, let's, you know, decided yeah. let's do it. Let's try it. Let's run a Kickstarter campaign. Really? Yeah. So, so we did. What, what, what kind of campaign? Because I know if you're selling clothes, yep. you could be like, just pre-order yes. a few like t-shirts you're selling, whatever it is. But so what'd that look like for this? Well, with, that's, that's good you bring that up. In Kickstarter, you cannot offer alcohol. You can't give people alcohol as a gift on Kickstarter. Really? However, you can offer memberships to clubs. And the, what we offered was a membership to our bottle club. Oh my gosh. And That's so brilliant. that was that was <laughs> Oh my gosh. And that was so the good. key. That yeah. was the key. Like that once we cuz we weren't going to at first we were like, okay, let's just let's just run our Kickstarter campaign and you know, we'll keep the bottle club as an idea in the back pocket. Well, yeah. the Kickstarter campaign 
was doing okay, but it, we were not on track to hit our goal. We were like, you know, we were about three weeks in, and we were like, we'd raise about 10,000. We were trying to get to, to 19. And I was like, I don't think we're going to make it. So we threw that out there. It's like, okay, well, you yeah. know what? You want, join our, our bottle club, you know, our bottle CSA. Yes. And, and then the kind of, it's like the floodgates burst. And yeah. Oh, man. What, you, what was that? What is the bottle club? The bottle club was a bottle a month club. Uh, cool. Once we actually got our production cool. going, you get a bottle a month of yep. what we were making, and so yeah, and and of just whatever whatever we have, it's going to be almost a surprise. Yep, exactly. It's uh, kind of a surprise bottle of the yeah. month club, and so that was. I mean, we did the fulfillment on that a couple of years ago, um, but yeah, that was the key. That was you know people were like people wanted the, the you know a T-shirt is nice, yeah. a glass is nice, but yeah. what people really want is the product. Yeah, and and. So yeah, by offering that, we were able to meet our goal and exceed it by quite a bit. So, so yeah, that, that, that was when the Kickstarter campaign was successful, that's when I felt like, yeah, we really have a chance. We can really make this happen. Yeah. Because until then, we were like, well, we've got this idea. We've got a plan. We don't really have a lot of money. You yeah. Know? And the Kickstarter campaign was enough to kind of put us over that edge. You know, we yeah. still end up spending, you know, a bunch of our own money, you know, what, what oh, we had left. <laughs> for sure, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, that, that really made the difference because we were able to oh, build out a yeah. production winery yeah. and actually have a product to sell. Yeah. And we reinvested that to do this. How much did you raise on Kickstarter? Uh, 23,000 something. What? Yep. It's like, it's less than 24. It's like 23,600, I think. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Man, that is so, br- I mean, there's, okay. There's so many things that you, how you went around, went about this that are so brilliant to me. And that's one of them, your idea of going beyond friends and family, please help us out. Yeah. Of It's almost looking at the customer or the, uh, okay, now I'm confused. Okay, because what okay, I was about to ahead. say, here's where I'm confused. Sure. Uh, I'm confused because uh, what I was about to say is you, you're looking at the customer and their wants, not like I want to open a winery. You're yeah. thinking, what do people want? They want a yeah. good product. Yeah. And so you brought in this bottle of the month club. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, before we started recording, you said you're, you don't go about this. Your wife really wanted you to make something awesome and yeah. not just look at what do people, what's in, what's trendy, what's hip yeah. right now. Yeah. What do people want? You, how do you balance that? How do you balance looking at what people want and looking at what you want to make. Well, I don't it, know if that helped, makes sense. Does that make sense? Of, I think I, I hear what you're getting at. It helped that cider was trendy. Okay. It helped that cider is still yeah. trendy. I mean, I, yeah. I, it's booming. It's, it's really, it's hot. And, and that was something I'd already made. Yeah. I already knew how to make and I already liked and knew that, you know, I, I, I felt like cider was going to keep going. Yeah. Cider was gonna, you know, cider in, in 2014 was already kind of hot, and I felt like, you know what, let's, yeah. we, we need to make some good cider and get it yeah. out there soon. Um, I saw a lot of, you know, these were the trends I was watching, you know, I saw all the breweries opening. Yeah. You know, so the brewery boom was really just starting to ramp up yeah. really in 2014. But there weren't, people weren't opening cideries like they were opening breweries. Yeah. You know, partly for what we were talking about earlier, it's hard to open a winery in, in the city. Yeah. Um, and nobody because had done it. Because if you're cidery, you are legally under a winery Exactly. License. If you're going to make real cider, like yeah. 100% fruit-based cider, which is what I wanted to make, yeah. you need a winery license. Yeah. Um, so nobody had done it. It's like, yeah. well, why? This is, this is a problem to be figured out and overcome. 
But I, I figured, you know, if we can figure out that piece, we should be good because yeah. I knew people wanted cider. Yeah. And, and, you know, I was seeing the breweries doing really well. Oh, yeah. It's like, well, how, how do we figure out this piece? How do we, how do we get past that? Yeah. Um, and so that's where, you know, we, we actually consulted with the lawyer. And I, I, I had done my own little bit of research, actually a fair bit of research, and thought and seemed like, you know, reading the Minnesota laws, it seemed like we should be able to do this. We, yeah. it's, it's a little more expensive than a farm winery. It's, you know, we're limited in some ways that farm wineries aren't, but it's still on the books. You know, and you could open a winery anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you just, you're, you're, there's certain constraints. Um, and so we hired a lawyer to kind of go to bat for us and talk to some of the same people. And he did. And kind of went over the heads of the people I had talked to and got different answers. Yeah. Uh, positive answers. That's the answers sweet. we wanted. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. And, and That's cool. So, yeah, that was a big leap forward for us. Yeah. Man, so, I mean... Even the fact that there's there's nobody doing the cider thing in town, mm-hmm. that is that was a surprise to me when you said that. And I can't remember yeah. if we were recording or not yet, but we where uh, an unmentionable cidery mm-hmm. that but we'll just say is very sociable mm-hmm. uh, in town. I thought was <laughs> I thought was I thought that was a cidery, but yeah. they're not. Yeah. They're actually technically a brewery. Their license is a brewery license. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. Um, why why is it? Do you? I mean, it doesn't make sense. I have these conversations with people all the time of like. If you're going to have conversations with normal people that yeah. aren't in legislation mm-hmm. of why Minnesota has the the liquor laws they do, yeah. you can't plan on having a logical conversation because because yes. to, to me it makes no sense. It doesn't make sense unless unless you understand there's some people who are already invested in the system as it is and they don't want to see a change. Yeah. And those are the people who are fighting any change in the law, or almost any. The, the Surly Bill took a huge upwelling of support yeah. from people who liked drinking local beer yeah. to make it happen. But the, at the and time... what was the Surly Bill? The Surly Wasn't Bill that? was the bill that kind of allowed tap rooms for small breweries. Oh, and yeah. the Surly Bill, this was five years ago, six okay. years ago now? And so the Surly Bill was pushed by the Surly Brewery, which had, had made their way under the old brewery laws and thought this was silly. Surly and Summit, both. Because you, know, you had to be over a certain size to have a tap room in your brewery? or It was, it was really difficult to get a tap room at all in your, bre- in your brewery really? in Minnesota. I don't think it was even allowed prior to that. I, I know Summit had a little tasting room, but they were restricted in certain ways. You know, the, yeah. you know, the laws were silly. Yeah. And, and so the Surly Bill allowed breweries, small breweries, any brewery, have a tap room and serve on site yeah and that that is the only reason for this this boom we have right now because yeah. breweries can have a tap room and serve like serve directly to the public it's, yeah. it's it's more profitable and they can also try out new beers and see what works see right away yeah you can see the look on someone's face you serve them something yes. and they smile they frown you know they throw it out you know you yes. know you can you've got a the best possible test market you could have in your tap room They're so anyway right in front of, yes exactly. i love that plus so, then they're sold Yes. The majority and of all, like here, I'm sold because I came into the tap room first, not because I took a chance on a shelf exactly, at some liquor store. Exactly. You get you know, the best sales salesperson is going to be the person who made it. They can hand yes. it to you and say, "Hey, here's what I made. Here's what it's made from. Here's what's great about it." You know, yes. you can meet the owner or the you know the somebody the winemaker, somebody who's actually making yes. the stuff, have the interaction. I mean, it's so different from yeah, exactly. When you go to the liquor store and you're taking it off the shelf, yeah. you've got what the, the label to tell you what's what's. I mean, the yeah, you re- yeah. Yeah. So so that anyway. Makes, that's so a great point. What I was going to say earlier is the Surly Bill was opposed by you know the distributors and the yeah. liquor stores because they saw well this is going to you know this is our ox is being gored you know we've got this yeah. thing we've got this thing and it's golden and we don't want to give it up you know, we're not going to give yeah. an inch of any of this yeah. not seeing necessarily that this is going to cause a 
a boom in the in what's available to consumers. And I think I think the liquor stores and the distributors are probably doing better because of it because there's all these brands. People are paying more for beer now than they were before. Yes. But you know, it's it's that fear of like I'm gonna I've got this thing. It's a sure thing. I don't want to let go of any bit of it. That's the mentality behind I think a lot of the folks fighting every liquor law yes. change that's proposed. Yeah. Um, and I've I've you know gone and testified a couple of times and have seen like who's there opposing it. And, you know, it's the folks who, they've already got theirs and they don't want to let go of a bit of it. Yes, I mean, that, that was even part of the conversation I just had with someone the other day of I don't understand, uh, like for instance, even the Sunday liquor sales. Yes. Who, who out there does it benefit to not have that? Because there has to be some person. The, the liquor stores in Hudson and Prescott and Superior. No, the liquor stores in Wisconsin yes. were the one of the main reasons why we didn't have liquor sales on Sundays and they're the ones so who long. wanted to stop they're not the initial reason yeah I mean it but was they, were, kind they had an it was a, like an effect to it it was a blue law originally but the the folks who didn't want to have a change if you look at who's okay, one of the big funders of the organization yeah let's say the, the MLBA um, that uh, was opposing Sunday sales uh, if you you could look on their website see where this well the gold sponsor the Hudson liquor stores you know the, the <laughs> liquor stores at Hudson Wisconsin <laughs> I mean, think about it. who uh, had the biggest stake in this. Yeah. Oh, you know? that is, that's funny. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you just, <laughs> when they say follow the money, like, go, <laughs> go just, look who's funding these things. So, oh, man. Yeah. So, uh, it, you know, and, and um, well, anyway. Man, I, okay, I'm sensing this thing with you. I mean, Ed, so you even said, you're talking about these, I think there's this mindset. And there's, there's this mindset I just keep coming across with people and friends I talk to. And conversations I have, and this mindset is: you are either, you either acknowledge that there is enough for everybody, mm-hmm. and that there, uh, there's, uh, there's place for me in the world to do my thing. And mm-hmm. someone else's good, good business doesn't yeah. mean it's taking away from mine, unless yes. it, very few times you're direct in competition, mm-hmm. uh, where that would be, would that nullify that thought? But that you have these people that almost have a, like a prosperity mindset of the world. Mm-hmm. And then you have people who are holding so tight to what I have. I don't want anything to change. Mm-hmm. Don't change it. And I'm just thinking about how that, I'm just piecing those mindsets together when I think about you and opening uh, this spot. And I think about the fact that a lot of, there's an, there seems to be an unawareness or a misunderstanding within people I've talked to where mm-hmm. we think, well, if, Everybody that's doing something cool that they love, a project, opening up a winery, you have to do it a certain way. They had they had this idea from the beginning. They knew exactly how it was going to look, yeah, and no. then you just put the hours <laughs> in to do it. Yeah. But you you're started from almost like a like a pain point of like yeah. this wouldn't exist if you didn't get fired yeah. from a job. I was an unemployed guy, nothing to lose. Yes, you know, I I, mean, I had things to lose. Yeah, yeah. But I, you have a I family. Didn't, I didn't, you, exactly. I mean, your I kids were like probably what, like five and six or yeah, something. Yeah, like my that kids were little. Man. My kids are, you know, my I think my daughter was in first grade. My son was in yes. kindergarten. Yeah. So here I was, you know, out of a job. Yeah. I was like, oh gosh, and I. Yeah. So I yeah, it came yeah. out of a place of, wouldn't say desperation, but I felt like okay. Here I am, sort of back to square yeah. one. What now? Oh. D- and and is it going to be some of the same old, same old? Yeah, I hadn't been, you know, in love with my old job anyway. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. here I was. Now now the job had been taken away. Now what? 
Yeah. And I thought, it's time for me to, to take a, a job chance. that you probably loved. I'm assuming to get that far, to be like a landscape architect, it's not something you just fall into. No, it seems I like. got a master's like degree you, in it. A master's yeah. degree. <laughs> <laughs> and I had, I had worked, you know, yeah. for, for 10 years. Yeah. You know, in that, in that world. Man, okay. I, I'm not, I don't want to project that like every, like life is just uh, like perfect for you now and just smooth sailing. Because uh, yeah. I know that I mean, it's just not how it, it works. But at the same time, I want to like back up for a second because I I don't want to like over romanticize because I know the end result mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. this because this place is amazing and thank the you. stuff you're making is amazing. Well, thank uh, you. But I I want to like if I'm watching I want to like paint myself a picture of you in that moment when you like you got laid off and uh, that like month that first month of getting laid off like if mm-hmm. I'm watching a movie of mm-hmm. your life like what does that look like was it were you like instantly confident like the right things will work out or was it like despair and well, your wife was picking you up out of bed i mean it, what did it look like the, the day i was laid, laid off from the job it was like i was punched in the stomach because oh. I, I did not i, yeah. I you know that i had a feeling like you know how you have that kind of like feel like oh, something bad's gonna happen yeah and then suddenly bam there that's yeah. the bad thing um and it was so you kind of saw it coming. You felt like the I, I can't, yeah, the, the feeling of pressures changing. Kind of see, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's going to be layoffs. I, I'm not going to make it through this one because there have been you know rounds and rounds. This is the, yeah, yeah. the Great Recession yeah. thing, you know, especially in the architecture business. I mean, there were a lot. I mean, there was 50 percent unemployment, oh, you know, for gosh. landscape architects, architects, yeah. you know, even you know, like civil engineers were getting laid off left and right, right and left. So. You know, I, I, I had been fortunate to make it through to that point, but uh, when my number was up, yes, the day of, kind of felt like I'd been hit in the stomach, and really the next day, no, I didn't, I, I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't like to lay in bed and do nothing. I'm, I'm someone, I like to do stuff, and I was not going to lay in bed and do nothing. Yeah. I was like, the next day I got up, and I was ready to, I wanted to make a plan. Yeah. I wanted to make a plan. Yes, I needed another job, because we had to pay the bills, you know, but I also wanted to make a plan at the same time. You know, seeing I'd gotten it was like that slowing yourself down. Where like I don't want to just jump into something. Let's exactly. think about this it's for like, a second. Okay, I'm gonna. It's like I'm gonna make a plan to a. Well, I have to find another job because you know we've got a family mm-hmm. and we've got bills. Um, B, until I get the next job, I'm gonna also work on you know try to work on as many hours as I can working on this business plan and finding out what I actually need to do to get a winery started. Mm-hmm. Because it was kind of like it went from okay, there's a cool idea to hey, now suddenly I have time. Yeah. The thing I didn't have before, I had no time. Yep. Now I'm, I'm, I'm getting an unemployment check. Hey, go Minnesota. You know, honestly, yeah. this, that's a great thing. Minnesota, you know, is, you, know, you can get unemployment for six some months. Yeah. And I did. I got an unemployment check. I went and went to the unemployment. Uh, uh, you can go to like the, the, the different seminars and whatnot. Yeah. And I also started going to seminars at, uh, at an organization called SCORE, the Service Corps of Retired Executives does seminars um, on all, f- all aspects of starting a business. Really? And, yeah, really, and the St. Paul chapter is great. The St. Paul chapter offers these inexpensive seminars. If you think of starting a business, they offer you know, seminars on business planning, uh, marketing, uh, all sorts of different things. Really? Yeah, and, and it's like $10, $15. What? It's, it's an awesome resource for anybody to think about starting a business. And you're, you're able to talk to people who are retired executives. Yeah. People, some entrepreneurs, some people who have you know, worked in finance and advertising yeah. and other places. Where, and That's the people cool. talking to you about marketing and advertising are people who are VPs you know, yeah. in advertising firms. Yeah. So it's great. It's, yeah. it's, it was an amazing resource. So while I was also you know, sitting at home, every Friday, I think it was, I'd go to another seminar 
at you know given by score yeah and, and had a score mentor too nancy was my score mentor really and she was wonderful she you know was someone who had worked in hr her whole life she gave me some real insights and also kind of some pep talks yeah you know i'm like okay keep going here's what you need to do like what did you what did you get done last week yeah. You know, you know, are you taking care of yourself? This sort of yeah. thing. And Nancy kind of was sort of my, you know, my my second mom. Yeah. You know, to kind of like keep oh, me from so like cool. getting into a rut. Almost so, like yeah. this mentorship. It was. It was. Yeah. It was exactly. It was a mentorship, and it you know completely free of charge too. Nancy would even yeah. buy me coffee. That's We'd meet, cool. You know, at a, a coffee and and donut place, or at a, a, a Panera. Yeah. Um, oh, man, that's cool. Uh, so, so yeah, so, so, I mean, to, to put a long story short, I started the, you know, right after being laid off, I was like, what resources do I need? Like looking for resources mm -hmm. because I, I didn't want to sit around and do nothing. Did you know instantly you was the thought of the winery, the first thing, or was it, did you have a moment of, well, what are all my options? Like, I mean, did you have like yeah. a brainstorming of everything or was it just like, oh, I've always wanted to do the winery. This is my yeah, chance. I've really wanted to do winery for a while. And there, there was a time... When I was younger, I thought I wanted to, you know, have a. I wanted to run my own landscape architecture firm. Yeah, yeah. I thought that would be, you know, if I was to be self-employed, I'd be running a landscape architecture firm. But the Great Recession, you know, kind of changed things. Like, man, like if there's 50% unemployment in this field and it's 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 so boom and bust, yeah. do I really want to be in that world? Yeah. You know, whereas okay. When the economy's good, people drink. When the economy's bad, people drink more. You yeah. Know? <laughs> you know, yeah. It's kind of recession proof. Uh, yeah. You know, and I. Uh, like alcohol and entertainment are yeah. the two things people still. People still seek. I mean, people need alcohol and entertainment almost more than they do yeah. you know, during good times when, when times are bad. Um, oh, funny. Yes. But, you know, so yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I already had kind of this dream of opening a winery. Um, and so I, I decided. It was time, and I also had a very supportive wife who thought, yeah. you know, not everybody would have said, "Oh, this is a great idea," you know, "Go for it, honey." But you know, she did. She yeah. basically did. Man, I I toured back when I was in college with a. It was, we did essentially a cover band, mm -hmm. and we traveled with this um, unreal motivational speaker who mm -hmm. was like the number one motivational youth speaker in the world, uh -huh. and we'd go to the high schools. I'm, I'm going somewhere. This sounds, seems like a sure, tangent. No, but we, like, ahead, but on, like we, uh, we went to high schools and we did like these uh, events and ta they talked about bullying and respecting yourself and he did this thing and then we just did like pop cover songs. Uh -huh. But I got to spend time with him and one of the greatest things I learned from him was that he, he told me, he goes, Rob, they say I'm the number one motivational speaker for youth in the world. I got that title. And he said, but the fact is the real greatest person that's supposed to be doing what I'm doing that would outbeat me any day of the week is at home, but his wife won't let him leave the house. Uh. And it's before I got married and he gave me this whole thing about the most important decision you'll ever make is the person you marry. Yeah. And I've just realized like the only reason I've gotten to do anything in my life is is because of my wife. Yeah. And so it's really cool to think that you're you yeah. acknowledge that too of like this thought of like this the powerful woman that's standing yep. next to you and it's a team thing. Yes. Yeah. And you know, she's not you know, she, I guess I'm more the face of the business. Yeah. You know, she's not here every day, but you know, without her hard work, and you know, her willingness to support the family while I was you know. It looks great now seeing all this, but I was not making a penny, yeah. you know, for years yeah. doing this. And, you know, we were pouring money into this and yeah. she was willing to go along with, you know, here we are pouring our savings into yeah. this, this idea, 
that you know there's nothing tangible yeah. i mean there we had a building here but there was nothing inside of it you know it was a wreck yeah. so you know the fact that she's willing it, she, it's extraordinary yeah. there's there's a lot of people who would not be willing to take that risk and yes. I, I have to appreciate she's still worried yeah <laughs> she's still worried a lot <laughs> yeah let's just say, you know i won't yeah. say you know i won't say it was without worry or yeah. anxiety it would yeah. help us a lot of you swing in check out the winery exactly <laughs> Buy some wine. exactly uh, it was not without worry yeah but but you know she was willing to kind of go on this kind of crazy ride yes. together and see this through you know and and i i you know and we made it. Yeah. And we, you know, we, we made it to this point. And Man, that's cool. Okay. I, I started paying myself this year. And that was, yeah. <laughs> that was the single <laughs> like, best thing. Yeah. Started paying myself finally. And now, now I'm, I'm contributing the, 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 as, this January. Okay. I wrote myself the how, first paycheck. How many, how many years was that? When you started? We started you, in 2014. 14? We started, okay. I mean, in 2014, we started kind of the idea process. Yep. You know, I was laid off in that winter, 2013, 2014. 2014 started kind of building the you know the paperwork and whatnot. We our Kickstarter campaign started October of 2014. Yes. We closed it out. We were successful in November of 2014. We actually, uh, well, I I started building out the basement not too long after in in beginning of 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know January February started building out the basement production winery. Yeah. And we got a, our license to produce in December of 2015, the very end of December 2015. Now, yes. and then so from December 2015 till November of, till, well, December of 2017, I was working mostly here, no, I should back up. I had a regular, I had another job on the side that whole time yeah. until 2016, February of 2016. And it was in February yeah. of 2016, I started making this my full-time job. Because I got laid off again, but that was no surprise. I was yeah. kind of in a job that I knew at some point it was going to end. Yeah. Um, and that was fine, because when that job ended, I was ready to jump into this. But I wasn't able to pay myself yet. So yeah. Gita was, was supporting the family entirely oh. from February 2016 through beginning of 2018. Um, and, you know, we had some very lean, lean times. Yeah. You know, we... Ran up some credit card debt, yeah. and thankfully you were making your own alcohol. Yes, <laughs> that's true. You know, we're, <laughs> we could but, save some money there. Yes, but we we had to tighten our belt. We had to tighten our belts yeah. a fair bit. Oh um, man, I sold a lot of stuff on Craigslist. Like, yeah, <laughs> I cleaned all the junk out of our garage in our basement. Yeah, as much as I could, I sold a lot of stuff on Craigslist. I mean, that's that's yes. where we were, you know, getting like some of the the cash to get by. Oh, man, okay, I I want to be respectful of your time. Sure. Uh, so maybe like even closing with this of like okay. I just think this is so inspiring to me chatting with you because it encouraged me encourages me to go further because hearing your story I I just get really insecure how much I share doing this project mm-hmm. because everything I've done the only reason this exists um, the things I've had to do that sell th- the things I've had to sell on Craigslist to make yep. stuff yes. happen in life my wife having to pay the bills yep. and as live lean to make yep. things happen. It is all, it's encouraging to hear that I'm not the only person yes. and that this isn't like a, this isn't a fluke. It's easy to see other people doing cool things. Oh, well, you're doing a cool think, thing here too. I have to oh, say. Oh, yeah, this, is, this is, is a cool thing. Man, and I'm, I'm pumped and I'm pumped about it. This, yeah. So I'm glad you, you feel that way. But it's like, it's, it's uh, at the beginning of it, yeah. there's so much like, like questioning of yes. myself. Yeah. And I think it's only through sharing that like story of the lean times and like mm-hmm. how you had like 
before anybody saw this, it was two years in advance or a year and a yeah. half of like thinking through things and making it happen. Yeah. That came out of a really painful time of life. Yes. And I just don't know. I'm just so I'm just saying I'm super thankful you're willing to like share that because I have a feeling if someone if you have a feeling with the people that have been giving feedback to the podcast, someone listening to this will hear it and be like, Oh man, I'm in a like I, I just maybe got laid off or I'm yeah. like trying to yeah. figure out what I'm gonna yeah. do with my life. And uh, I like the way you went where you went about it differently than a lot of musicians I know or artists mm-hmm. that would go about stuff mm-hmm. who would put themselves first and think, okay, what do I want to do in life? Like, what fulfills me? But mm-hmm. you, the questions you asked, like, um, okay, what isn't anybody else doing mm-hmm. right now? Like, where's there a hole that needs filled? Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's so cool. And like, uh, I even put it like, even looking at like, uh, how, what is the next, this is, I'm projecting this question, but I'm almost thinking like, what's the, what can I do with where I'm at right now? And like mm-hmm. the big picture, of course it'd be great to buy a multi-million winery oh, yeah. and like a uh, cidery, but like, okay, in the city, what can you do with that, that with what's at your disposable right now? Exactly. And I think it's so brilliant. Well, thank I'm just you. so like inspired by this. So anyways, <laughs> thanks for like sitting down with me to like have a conversation. Sure. This is cool. Hey guys, this is Rob with just a quick note before you head off into your week. I just wanted to say a huge thank you, a massive thank you to any of you that have rated, commented, or subscribed to this podcast on iTunes. Also, thank you to those of you that have reached out to me and shared your stories of how these interviews or some of these conversations have impacted you, have inspired you. Man, that has been so awesome to hear. If you have a story you'd like to share with me, head over to thecuriouspod.com slash contact, and I'd love to hear your stories or any just questions you may have for me. Hey, while you're over there, if you want to check out show notes for this or any of the other interviews I've done or contact info for this guest or any of the others, head over to thecuriouspod.com for any of that. And also, I'm really pumped about this. We have a map right there on the front of the website that shows all the locations that these interviews and conversations have taken place. It's pretty cool. You can click on it. You can see where these have done. If you want to go visit them, if you've heard something you like and you want to go check it out for yourself, that's right there. Or you can just check it out at thecuriouspod.com slash map or just right there on the front of the website. I'll show. I'll show. Also, if you want to reach out to me on social media or follow me anywhere, pretty much everything online is the Rob Morgan at the Rob Morgan, whatever you, you, you know, the drill. All right. Enough of that nonsense. All this podcasting has made me thirsty. You know, (laughs) I am so pumped that I do not have to deal with sponsors for this podcast or else I'd have to tell you podcasting makes me thirsty and nothing quenches a podcast thirst whether you're listening, uh, interviewing, editing, recording, listening to something unrelated to a podcast. Nothing quenches a thirst like a Guinness. Hey Hofi, can I steal you for a second? Do you have anything you want to say about Guinness? I'd like to take a minute to thank Guinness because it truly is made of more. That's all. Alright. That's it. Thanks. Uh, I love that crap. All right. Have a great week. See you next Tuesday. Anything else? Thanks for being here. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. Say the most random thing you can think of. Mm-hmm. Yell it. I got nothing. The only word I can think of is formaldehyde. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect.